Did you, um, did you experience the, the recent flood the other day? We, we live in Mount Joy. I know some of the people here in this room also live in the Mount Joy area, but there was many more areas, but it was kind of ironic that we're watching the National Weather Channel and Mount Joy PA was on the Weather Channel a few weeks ago, not because of a good thing, but because of a flood. And the reality is, is, is uh, we, we kind of live up on a hill in our neighborhood. And so we knew it had been raining cats and dogs for three solid hours. But uh, we did not know how bad it was. So my wife was needing to go to the bank and she was needing to go to the pharmacy and it was almost five o'clock on Friday. And so she proceeds to go down in our SUV down two blocks down to Main Street. And uh, she calls me saying, I'm floating. Okay, that's not usually a good thing unless you're in a boat or you're planning on floating. And we didn't realize how bad it was, but that's the reason why uh, they're in Mount Joy. You got national attention uh, when this flood happened. And now all of us know here in Pennsylvania, this has been one of the wettest summers in history. I mean, this is crazy how much rain we have and, and how many says double portion. Come on, if summer gets the moisture, then winter should get the same amount of moisture. The white stuff, right? And I have three people agreeing with me in this room. Uh, and so Mount Joy usually doesn't flood especially just going down Main Street. But the reason why we flooded after three and a half hours of rain is because it rained over 10 inches in three and a half hours. So you had a flash flood experience, just like the devastation of Hurricane Michael, uh, as opposed to Florence, a, f a few weeks ago or whatever it was that was so slow going through the Carolinas that created that kind of flood. But Michael was moving very quickly this week and has created a lot of flash flooding. In fact, uh, people have died even in Virginia from Hurricane Michael because of the flash flooding, because the quickness and the amount of rain coming down so quickly in areas that maybe do not usually flood. And what usually happens, just like we had a few weeks ago, is there, it wasn't a saturating rain. It was a rushing river of rain. So the benefits turned into a negative. It became a destructive force rather than being something that was positive for, for crops, for, for yards, for grass, for, for, for trees, for, for people to have. It, it, it turned into something that became a negative. Now, now, when we look at this story of Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, I, I want to tell you tonight that you can get rid of all of the reasons why the enemy and the flesh has continued to tell you that you can't have some Something special with God. You can't have something deep with God. Well, let me tell you, the very first person that he would reveal himself to in the book of John as the Messiah was a Samaritan woman, as we just read, 
Jews weren't supposed to talk to Samaritans. They had this thing going on that they didn't associate. They, they were better than them. They thought they, they, you know, and then for Jesus to talk to, as a man, talk to a woman, that was not acceptable either. Then for him to even ask to drink water out of her container was even considered as like when we were in elementary, you know, you know, the kid that had cooties, the kid that had, you know, you, you know, no touchbacks. No, you know, I would never drink out of their cup. You know, I don't care if it was the last cup of water. I would not drink out of his cup or her cup. And that was the kind of thing. But I want you to focus on the fact that the Bible says she had had five husbands already. And the man that she was with presently was not her husband. Jesus, his disciples weren't even there. And Jesus says, I'm going to have one of the most incredible, amazing moments in history because we're talking about it in 2018. Was Jesus walking up to a woman and there's a lot of discussion But either way you look at it, this woman had went through five divorces or five husbands dying. And she was living with the man outside of marriage. And this is the one that he walks up and he says, if you only knew who I was, I could give you water that you will never, ever search ever again for anything in life. You see what this weekend wants uh, to, to do in our lives. What God wants to do is he wants to saturate us. But what happens is so many times we, we, we just like the flash floods, we allow religion and ritual to get in the way of a soaking presence of the Holy Spirit that gets inside of us and changes the things that we're not happy with changes who we are, changes the battles that wage inside of our hearts and our spirits. And God's saying, what I want you to understand is quit searching for all of these things in all of these places. And that's what we do. How many knows when you're thirsty, milk does not cut it. We're not 80% milk. How many knows when you're really thirsty, soda does not cut it. We're not 80% soda. How many knows when you're really thirsty, juice does not cut it. What cuts it is refreshing cold water. Why? Because that is who we were created to be is we are 80% water, but we're 100% Created by God, and therefore He is the only one that is truly able to quench our thirst. And I'm not talking about a physical thirst. I'm talking about a spiritual. I'm talking about an emotional. I'm talking about every area of your life. Only the Creator can truly give you where you will never search for another place to fulfill it. That's what we do. It's what we do. You see, why why must it be such a big deal 
that we drink of the water that Christ is giving us. Um, one of the most impacting, influential moments in my life as a minister was when I started out and I showed up at a church on a Sunday morning and I was preaching and I was only about 10 to 15 minutes in the message and the pastor come up, up on stage on a Sunday morning and stopped me from preaching. He took the mic out of my hand and asked me to go sit down. I am dying a thousand deaths. I am a young evangelist. It's the first time I've been at this church. I haven't preached very long. And the pastor comes up and has me sit down. He doesn't explain anything. He gets up, says a simple prayer, and dismisses everyone. And everybody's like, I had no idea. What, what, what did I say? What, what kind of heresy was I preaching? What, what was so bad? What, was, was I really that bad? I mean, I know my introduction to biblical preaching professor in Bible school told me I probably shouldn't be a good preacher because I didn't do very well in this class. I know that. But I'd already been preaching. And, and, and why in the world? Would, and, and it was one of the most... Um, important moments of letting me know, not just as a minister, but as a Christian, the importance of us taking the, the time to allow the Spirit of God to saturate us because we have no idea what everyone else is facing in this room. And we have no idea what we're going to face when we go home because you see, the reality is one week before I came, I didn't know any of this. One week before I came, they had a service just like that on Sunday morning like they always did a couple of was at that church service. They were always there. They were always faithful. They had a good service. Then they dismissed. They went home. And two and a half hours after that service, that wife got up from the couch sitting next to her husband, walks into a bathroom, pulls a gun out, and kills herself. Two and a half hours before she sat in a service just like this. The reason the pastor stopped me is because I was starting a story to talk about a 15-year-old boy that was going to commit suicide. And he sensed as their shepherd where I was going. And this church had just went through the hardest week of their life. You see, that pastor was the fireman chaplain. He got the call to respond to a home because of a suicide, never realizing until he showed up that it was one of his own. He went in there and cleaned the bathroom after they removed the body so that the husband would never have to face that. And they just had the funeral on the Friday before the Sunday before I show up. And I start sharing a story about a young man that was going to kill himself. And the pastor says, I've got to protect my flock. He did exactly what he should have done. It has nothing to do with me being interrupted or set down. But what it did point out to me, do you know who walked up to me at the altar at the end of that service? And said, thank you for what you preached. And I'm so sorry for you having to be stopped. It was the husband. Mm -hmm. 
And if there's ever been a moment in my life that I realize this can't be just playing games. This just can't be ritual. This can't be religion. This doesn't work. What Jesus was saying to this woman, he was he was saying, hey, I'm not just talking about water at the bottom of a well. I'm talking about something that that drugs cannot do because you'll always want more. And that's why you can over you can overdose on drugs. You can overdose on alcohol. You can overdose on a lot of things in life, but you can't overdose in a negative way of what God is offering. You won't look to something that self-destructs. You won't look to something that seeks to destroy your family and your marriage. But when you drink of the cup of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens inside of you is natural because you were created only for that. You see, the reason why a lot of people have a problem with, with saying that I can't do that and I can't go there and I can't do this is, is it, it, it ties into our selfish nature. But the reality is when we look at it spiritually, then we begin to understand what God was saying is he's not trying to keep us from something that's fun. He's just trying to protect our bodies because he knows the only way you can be healthy Is what he's offering. When you look at these things. Of what God is trying to say to us. And you look at this moment. In which. This woman has no idea. Who this is. Has no idea. What he's talking about. It. uh, It's kind of like this. Have you ever found yourself really thirsty? You know, it's it's hot. You've been out working. You've been out playing. You've been outside doing yard work. And you can only think of a refreshing cold glass of water. But I want you to imagine you, you were walking in a desert and you have been lost and you have had nothing for several days and you come over the last sand dune and you look out and there's the ocean. Oh, wow. Man, I have been dreaming of water. I have been dreaming about the chance to have water. I have been thinking about that. I, it has consumed me. I can't wait. And there it is right in front of you. Thousands and millions of gallons of water. It's just rolling. The waves are so pretty. It looks so inviting. Dive in. Dive into that water. You are thirsty. You are dry. You are dehydrated. Your body, your inner body, your organs, your cells, your blood is craving water. And there it is right in front of you. Drink as much as you want. Wait, you're saying, wait a minute. You can't drink ocean water. Why not? It's water. What I'm describing is as crazy as astronauts taking off in a rocket into outer space saying no thanks on the oxygen. There's air up there. That's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy to think that we've heard about people that 
have been shipwrecked or they've been overturned and they're floating out in some vast ocean of water and they are so dry and thirsty and they start drinking ocean water, which is salt water, which is not good. In fact, salt water will speed up your death. But it's water. Just because I'm in outer space, it's still air. So air has to have oxygen in it, right? This is, this is where we as the body of Christ must begin to recognize that just because it's water doesn't mean it's beneficial. In fact, it can do the exact opposite. Just the other day when we had the floods, that was great, great. Love water, love rain, need rain. Don't need 10 and a half inches in three and a half hours because it turns into a negative. If we are to understand where God is wanting to take us is that we get to a place that we can allow God to saturate us with a rain that begins to soak in. Do you know what soaking in means? Do you know what? This, this, uh, this summer I have been dealing with, with weeds. I have been dealing with crabgrass. I mean, it loves all of the water and the heat that has happened. And I am going out there. And do you know what I find out very quickly? Even after two or three days of no rain, I go down there with my little weed picker thing that I stick down there and I, and you know what? There is, it's just dry. It's amazing how quickly things dry up. And yet we think we can exist on a one service in one week to live a Christian life. What God wants you to know is he needs the daily rain inside of your heart. He needs daily time to pour into you. Do you know what? And my wife, she, she, she jokes about this. So don't, don't think that I'm going to get in trouble later. Just but pray just to make sure. But, uh, she, 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 she likes to, she, she likes the idea of buying plants for our porch. Okay. It's, it's, it's a good thought. You know, that's what people do. She just doesn't remember about maybe once a week. Oh, I forgot to water them. Okay. And, 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 and she goes out and, and she tells me all the time, but it was raining. I know, but the cover of our porch doesn't allow the rain to get to the plants. And, and, and today, because all the wind, they blew right off of uh, the little table she had them on. And, and I pick them up to put them back up there. And they're as dry as can be. I mean, they're, they're dying on the inside and stuff. And, and it was a reality moment that I think sometimes as Christians that God wants us to see is just because you went to church on Sunday morning doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you doesn't mean that you don't need to worship me on Tuesday. Doesn't mean that on Thursday I don't want for you to sit down with my word, my living word. It's not a dead old book. It is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive. All you got to do is give it a chance. You know why it's not alive in you? It's because you don't give it a chance to live in you. You can't just buy a potted plant and stick it on the porch. 
You gotta, you, you, you gotta understand that, that what God wants to do is he wants to saturate. I'll never forget, I had one of the greatest opportunities. Uh, one of the, uh, the presidents of Southwestern, the Bible school that I attended when I went to Bible college, uh, he was, him and his wife were two of my mission professors because I was a missions major. I was cross-cultural ministries major is what my degree was. I wasn't smart enough to get a theology degree or anything, go deep. Uh, they were like, put him over there. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and these two professors, just special, special people in my life, uh, many years uh, later, I was as an evangelist, uh, they told the pastor, Dr. Prince Detok Buderon, uh, in fact, this, this pastor is on the board of Dr. Cho's church in South Korea. Uh, This pastor has the largest uh, Pentecostal Assembly of God church in Malaysia, which is a country that is uh, Muslim and, and Buddhist. And they are seeing such an incredible move of God that they have to have seven services on Sunday to accommodate the crowds there in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And this church of several thousand people that didn't know me from Adam because of my professors, uh, they told him about me. And so he invited me to come over and speak at their church on a Sunday and then do their family camp that they were going to do. And it was such an amazing trip. Pastor was like a, and it it ruined me for life because always before, anytime I went out of the country, it was a missions trip. Okay. That meant I paid for everything. I raised all my own support. I didn't get paid to go. I had to pay for all my expenses. And once I got there, it was sleeping on a cot in the back of a church out in the middle of Africa or Mongolia and some, you know, dive to very, very tough conditions, eating nasty things. You know, that was my experience. And then all of a sudden they asked me to come just like a church here in America. And they paid my $2,000 plane ticket. And when I arrived, they took me to downtown Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia and put me in a skyscraper five-star hotel. And I'm like, they definitely did not. I mean, I was not expecting any of that. And, and, and then we went, after speaking at the church, they, they, we went to Malacca, Malaysia, which is on the coast of, of Malaysia, uh, looking across to Indonesia, a beautiful coastal beach resort city. And we went to this beautiful resort, I mean, this gorgeous beach resort. And they had me in this big old suite and they had a, a big old fruit basket waiting. I'm like, man, I am doing missions for life, man. This is what missions about. I am all about this. And, 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 and uh, I got to uh, speak their family camp in which oh, around 750 Malays took their week of vacation to come to family camp and to be in the presence of God. And I can tell you, it was, it was, it was an amazing trip. I mean, the meals, they were all about the meals in this beautiful resort and the big old tables that were just set up. And it was just like, I, I, I just, I felt like a king, but out of all of that, 
amazing, amazing experience. The one experience that I will never forget out of almost 23 years of being an evangelist was Wednesday night, the last night of the family camp. And in this big hotel meeting room, I couldn't even tell you what I spoke on. But when I gave the altar, all I can tell you was 750 Malaysians ran to the altar and fell on their face before God and began to cry out in one of the most beautiful, amazing moments of my life. I will never forget that moment. Yes, I remember the nice hotels and the resorts and the meals, but the thing that stands out the most is I saw that night something that was so special that if only we could understand what God has for us, if we will press through and what that showed me was they were willing to invest a week away from all the chaos and all the normal, they were willing to invest a week of their vacation. And that moment only came because we had been in the presence of God. We had been seeking God. We had been going after God. We had been speaking the word. We had been diving in. Do you know how important it is for God to saturate us with a rain that begins to soak in and all the cracks and the pain of the hurt and the distractions and those things that seek to destroy us could be taken away if we find ourselves in the presence of God. That's what Jesus was saying. He was like, I'm not talking about a water that you get thirsty a few hours later. I'm talking about something that creates a well. I don't know about you, but I live in way too much pain to think that I can do it without it. There is way too many times I'm getting ready to go to Ukraine in just a few weeks. Right next, right where Russia's invaded into Crimea. I'm flying in. We're going to drive two hours outside of Kiev so I can go minister to a church and cast the vision and set up the next soccer salvation camp and crusade that we're going to do there in Ukraine. Because there are people around the world that they are desperate for a move of God because they don't have the luxury of thinking that I don't have to worry about anything else. They have Russia right at their doorstep trying to invade their country. And the reality is, unless there is a move of God inside of their heart and spirit everly, they could be overwhelmed with fear. Now, I know we're not worried about Russia invading America, but we do have to worry about the enemy, the sin, the darkness, the addiction, the bondage, the pain, the disease that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And what God wants to provide for us is to create a situation that we can realize that we can come to that place and let the rain begin to fall. Not just in this fast, torrid pace that it just runs off of us. 
See, the, the, this is what God was showing me. And you got to get this. You got to get this. Because this is what sometimes happens ritualistic and religiously when we don't even realize it. The, our our fast-paced approach to work, to our lives anymore. We're, we're fast we're fast-paced. Microwaves don't do it fast enough now, you know. Uh, Drive-throughs don't do it fast enough. So now we have to have two lanes at McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. And, and that's not even fast enough. So we have to have people now come out and hold little iPads and take your order because that's not fast enough. And we're still sitting there in line. And this is ridiculous. So everything, the tragedy in that is we have forgotten what it meant to sit and soak. Because we are a shower generation. Ain't taking a nasty bath. So you're like, my mom still takes baths, okay? Our house doesn't have a bathtub in the master suites. That shows that we are a shower generation. We run in, get a little water, and we're out of there. No sitting and soaking. We, we, have, we, have, we have forgotten what it means. In, in fact, it, it, it's almost worse to give us a little stream of water than nothing. How many has ever traveled? You've been in a hotel or somebody else's house, and, and the shower was one of those that you had to run around a few times just to get wet. Because <laughs> there was like one thing coming out, you know? It was like all calcified up, all, you know. Earl will take care of you, okay? He's taking names right now. Just let him know. The, the reality is, is that, that we have gotten outside of a mentality. I'll, I'll tell you one, one of the moments in my life that um, showed me the heart of God when God sees his people really want to go after him. It was a, um, it was a, a true uh, humbling uh, and yet a, a very, uh, not in a negative pride way, but a very proud moment to, to be honored, to be asked. And I was asked to speak uh, at our National Youth Convention for the Assemblies of God in Denver when they had general counsel. And in fact, they told me we had more students and youth pastors and people on the National Youth Convention than they were in the uh, the actual general counsel part, they, they were doing two different things at the same time. And so I was asked to speak the first night. And this was what is in conjunction with, with fine arts. And so you have uh, students, you have parents, you have youth pastors, pastors, people from all over the United States that come in and they compete with all kinds of different areas. And at Night, they started having services, and they realized uh, this this would be a great opportunity. And so, uh, there were fifteen thousand there that night. It was all flat, so there was no stadium seating. So it was all flat. Fifteen thousand people that I was speaking to up on a stage, that the crowd went so far back because there was no stadium seating. That halfway back, they had to have another set of huge uh, screens so that the people in the back could even see. They couldn't even count on just the ones up on the stage. And I, uh, this is what I was told over and over before I walked up there. They said, this is obviously a huge rented out coliseum 
there in Denver that there are contracts, there are union workers, there are activities afterwards, and these students will start the very next morning. They're going to want to get out of here. So I was consistently told that I had 30 minutes. 30 minutes, everything. At 9 o'clock, I needed to hand it back to the national director. And I mean no disrespect whatsoever. And I'll never forget, many of you won't know who I'm talking about, but he's very famous. He's an incredible speaker. Reggie Dabbs was there, and we were standing off stage before the service started, and they walked away after telling me all these things once again. And Reggie just looked at me. He said, just preach, Ron, just preach. And what was breaking my heart was is that this was the largest event of the whole nation coming together. And it felt like they were overlooking a chance for God to have a move of God with a generation of young people that could literally go back to their communities and states all across the U.S. and see something happen. Was it just going to be about competition or was it going to be about a move of God? And I, 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 I truly... I struggled, but I was not going to show any disrespect whatsoever. God wouldn't have honored that if I would have. It wouldn't have made a bit of difference if I was coming in with some righteous indignation or pious attitude or I'm going to show them that would have not worked. I just got up there and I did only thing I knew how to do was... I just I just preached and I prayed for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to to just sweep across that that huge room. And I will never forget the moment at the very end. And I am sorry, but I, I can't have a service without an altar. I got to give people a chance to have an encounter with God. And I'm so thankful for a pastor that that that's his philosophy. That is his heart is that we have an altar available every service for people to be prayed with. Because you can hear man get up here and say the words of God. But then you need a chance to drink of the water. You know what? I can sit up here and I. I could have had them turn up the heater tonight and got you really hot and sweaty and thirsty. And then I could have gotten up here and done this in front of you. That's not fair, is it? That's not right. And yet what God is saying is every one of you, I've got, I got the coolest refreshing, the very things that you desire that you have been trying to drink with all the things of the world. You've been trying to come up with enough money. You've been trying to get enough big a place. You've been trying to get enough vehicles. You've been trying to get enough of this and that and this, and it will never fulfill you. It will never make you happy. You will never be satisfied, but only until you drink of what Christ. Christ is giving through his anointing. And when I gave the altar that night at that 
convention, I can tell you was one, it was was a move of God, it was only thing that could happen, was as far as the eye could see, every huge aisle and this huge altar area, all that happened, I have pictures today to show this, that, that if I had them here, I could show you that what happened is every altar place filled up with a massive humanity, but that wasn't even the key. What happened is something that I could not coordinate or orchestrate. What happened is you had thousands of these people just flood, run to the altar, and they lifted up there. You can see pictures. They're raising their hands. Thousands of hands raised, and it's just like, ah, the loudest cry out to God. It was like a move of God. It was the most incredible thing. It was like, we're hungry. We did not come and drive hours and hours and hours in a church van across America just to come have an experience at a hotel and have a few meals and try to get a trophy. No, I've come to experience God and God was there that night and there was a rush and they just began to go after God and it was truly phenomenal. But at nine o'clock, I knew my time was up and this is what I did. I turned around to give the mic to the national director and when I turned around, this is what I saw. I saw the National Youth Director of the Assemblies of God standing over here, tears streaming down his face, and he says, no, just go, go. We're not stopping this. God's wanting to know. Who's here? And is thirsty for that water. And Jesus said to a Samaritan woman, woman with a reputation, a woman that had everything against her, a woman that the religious would have never even spent time talking to, rather than even talk about drinking from her cup. 